You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. Mic check, mic check. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to... A Friday episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. Uh, I want to say, <laughs> oh my God, I love my family so much. But um, we went to the Wisconsin Dells <laughs> this past weekend and we had a blast. We had a blast. Don't get me wrong. Going on trips with uh, the family was an absolute bass, uh, a blast. It got, uh, it got a little stressful at times. But I will say this. I played putt-putt golf. We did go-karting. We did the water park thing. We went on a duck boat tour. We went to something called the Wisconsin Dells Deer Farm. And there was like, you know, all these varieties of deer and wildlife in the pens. And you could feed them crackers and things like that. And that was a good opportunity for me to educate my uh, children on arrow placement when I could actually point on a deer. Like, if, hey, if you want to shoot a deer, see this last rib right here? And then this front shoulder, if you shoot it anywhere really in here, they're going to die. Uh, here's the heart down here. Here's the lungs. Here's the liver. Like, <laughs> and my wife was like, you're ridiculous. You're being ridiculous right now. And, uh, but I, when you get an opportunity like that, you really do have to take it. So we, we learned about, uh, we learned a little bit about shot placement and then we did like some, I don't know, like interactive movie thing. It was, it was a blast, but I will say this. As far as swimsuits, as far as swimsuits are concerned, ladies, holy shit. Like the swimsuits these days don't cover anything at all up. And um, like I, I just am, I look at some of these girls' faces and I see how young they are. And then I see like the bikinis that they're wearing. And I look at my wife, I'm like, my daughter will not leave the house in anything that resembles that, especially if we're on a family vacation, right? And I, uh, I don't know. And then there were some people, both men and women, 
wearing bathing suits that they probably shouldn't be wearing. So not only did I have fun with my family, but I got a good opportunity to do a lot of uh, people watching. And that's one of my favorite activities to do. Outside of the, the whole hunting thing, I just like to go to a public place like a mall and watch people. And they, you know, people come in all shapes and sizes and, and uh, some people, you know, you look back, you shake your head and you go, damn. And then there's other people that you look at them and you just go, damn, Ugh, like, damn. Like, <laughs> so um, what, what does any of this have to do with hunting? It doesn't. That was just kind of a quick recap of the last handful of days, why I didn't get an episode out on Monday, why I didn't get an episode out on uh, Wednesday. But I do have this very short episode that we're going to put out today. And basically, this is just going to be an update of my what's what's happening from now until opening day as far as whitetail hunting is concerned right i'm not going to talk anything about my um my nebraska mule deer hunt or my north dakota mule deer hunt Uh, i'm talking strictly whitetails i'm talking here in iowa it's going to be like a high level strategy what goes on from now until october 1st And this is going to be a real quick episode because honestly, like for the most part, a lot, I'm going to say 85% of what I have to do before the season starts is already done, right? But before we get into that, I do want to knock out a couple quick commercials uh, here. I've been slacking on that lately and I I do want to, I do owe a big, uh, you know, a big thank you to the people who uh, partner with this. And the first one is Ozonics. And obviously Ozonics has been around almost... I want to say almost since day one. And if you haven't had the opportunity to kind of dabble in Ozonics or Ozone, you need to do it. Specifically Ozonics, man. Like the the packages that they have set up, the package deals are absolutely like highly functional. And it's perfect. And and a lot of people, they bitch and complain about the price. Well, that's not sportsman. That's not like that's not fair to the game or you know that doesn't work it's hocus pocus or it's a gimmick i'm gonna i'm gonna throw the bullshit card and i used to think that same way until i educated myself on the science behind ozone how it actually works in the field and how it actually works on bacteria and odor and all that stuff and you can go to ozonicshunting.com and and do all the research of what i just said there all that information is on there but um Dude, the in the field application and the out of the field back at the house applications and, and the functionality associated with those two places is game changing. There are days when uh, I'll do a I'll do a dry wash cycle before I put my clothes on, head to the tree stand, walk in an access route, and I just feel invisible. I I can I can feel like I feel clean and what I mean by clean is odorless now you you match that with a good morning shower you know you scrub off all the crap uh, you know all the odor off your body put on some scent free like I don't know antiperspirant or whatever and and uh, you got you take you cover all the other bases and you can walk into a set especially on the those first time ends man uh, where you just feel amazing right so go to uh, ozonicshunting.com and check out all the functionality behind the their O their O3 units. Educate yourself on it. And if you do decide to purchase one of their products, 
you can get a free dry wash bag with a purchase of one of their units, um, whether it's the Orion, the HR300, the 230, whatever. Uh, NFC21, and you get a free dry wash bag with a purchase of an, uh, one of their units. Uh, next, my, my I don't know, my third arm or my third, <laughs> this is weird to say, but my third leg, uh, Lone Wolf, four sticks and an assault. That is my run and gun go-to setup. No mods. I don't. I do a little hockey tape around the sticks. I do a little bit of hockey tape around the 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 front. Any metal to metal contact on the stand, and that's it. And I don't mod out anything. Um, I've used it. I've used this for like 15 years. These stands for like 15 years now, and it's just part of me. It's part of. It's what I feel comfortable with, and. Uh, I talk about this a lot in the hunting gear podcast, but when you feel confident and comfortable in in your equipment, it's just something you're not worrying about at the moment of truth. And you know, they're they're quiet to set up, they're quiet to tear down, they don't squeak when you're shifting in the stands. You can set up in a crooked tree. You can put yourself in the best possible position, not just a straight tree. And that's why I love Lone Wolf um, Lone Wolf stands, Lone Wolf portable tree stands, LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com. If you do decide to make a purchase, obviously go there and, and do your research first. But 9FC21 is going to get you 50 dollars off of all purchases over 200 bucks take advantage of that uh next is exodus outdoor gear dude i've been i've been using these cameras for a long time and why do i use them you know i don't want to get into a whole bunch of crazy like i i I love the trigger speed i love the pixels i love this and that all those things are great but the fact that you can turn again confidence in your equipment and your gear the fact that you can turn on a camera walk away and you know it's going to work i'm not thinking about it when i'm at work or you know i'm i'm out doing my thing i mean i really hope my trail cameras are taking pictures they take pictures period and that's why i partner with this company because their their trail cameras format the card turn it on you're done right same way with their cell cams scan a qr code you're set up it's it's literally that easy it is that easy to run their cameras and uh that and on top of all the functionality right awesome trigger speed awesome uh awesome picture quality you know you can mess around with it however you want whether you want a 40 second delay whether you want a a 10 minute delay whatever right it's it's a win and i love using uh, their trail cameras and right now it is velvet fest for the next handful of days uh, it ends August 11th, and with every camera that you purchase, there's going to be a scratch-off card in it, and it will allow you to save up to $60 off of your of, of your next purchase. And uh, whether it's a $25, the, the scratch-off tickets run from $25 to $60 off, and there's even a handful of uh, laser-engraved Velvet Fest cameras that will come out and uh in your order and you could possibly receive a one thousand dollar gift card from exodus trail cameras uh that's a huge thing um just imagine how many trail cameras you can buy with a thousand dollars so uh take uh taking that into consideration also uh research on their website about their five-year no bs warranty right i don't know how many trail cameras are out there promoting that they're they will they will 
uh, have a warranty for five years. Not a lot of uh, trail camera companies are doing that. So kudos to Exodus for that. And then uh, make sure when you do post your pictures of your velvet deer with your Exodus trail camera pictures, hashtag velvet fest. And then there's more ways that you can win uh, awesome prizes as well. So uh, ExodusOutdoorGear.com. And then we have last and definitely not least, there's a lot of guys out there. I know I don't talk about it enough, but uh, we have the uh, Excalibur crossbows, right? Or uh, ExcaliburCrossbow.com is their website. These guys have been around for over 30 years, right? The material that they use to make their crossbows is second to none. Uh, you can beat the shit. It, it's a, let me put it this way. It's one of their, it's a, it's a hunting product that's not overdone. Sometimes you can over-engineer a product and that product will, I don't know, just make it, I, it just it just it makes it complicated. That's not what you get when you get it when you buy an Excalibur crossbow. You know, I've seen videos where they drag it behind a four wheeler, they throw it off of a, a grain silo, they they are running it over with a vehicle, whatever, put a bolt in it and it shoots dead nuts, right? So it's meant to take abuse. I'm I'm very hard on my equipment. So the ne- if you are in the market for a crossbow, be sure to check out ExcaliburCrossbow.com. Excalibur crossbows. They have the new twin strike out. Take a look at that. Crazy, uh, you know, crazy awesome products. And uh, they got something, a little bit of something for everybody. So uh, take a look at that. Do your own research. All right. We've done the commercials. And I don't know if I should do like some intro music to what I'm about to talk about. How about just like a bum bum chat? Now it's time to talk to Dan. All right. So here we are. It is August. We're, we're sitting on August 5th while I'm recording this. Tomorrow's a Friday. I'm going to go out and, uh, you know, hang a couple more. I think I'm going to go hang a couple tree stands if I get the time to. I'm going to, uh, I, I, I'm getting rid of the kids for the whole weekend. I am going to try to get some some tree stand and trail camera work in on the farm that's close to me. I have some trail cameras up. They've been soaking from since, oh, somewhere around the uh, July 4th time frame. I want to go out and I want to get those checked. And then I'm going to lay off that farm for pretty much the entire month of September or, uh, until October. I might go, depending on when they get the crops out, I might be able to drive back in there and check my camera, a couple cameras from my truck. Uh, but I'm not going to walk all the way back there just because, you know, I like to have that time once crops are out. I mean, granted, this is a property that gets smoked every single year. There's one guy out there who has the same permission as me and he hunts the same blind and the same uh, like park parks in the same spot. So his movement is pretty predictable. And I think I'm going to try to flank some of those positions this year just to kind of see what when I pop into the timber just to see what the deer are doing knowing that this dude is in the same spot every single time I mean the the guy hunts all the time and he has he thinks that strategy works for him and if it works it works that's great but I'm gonna I'm gonna see what the deer are actually doing inside the timber there's a couple spots where I can see a long ways inside the timber and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to flank flank his positions and try to catch if his whereabouts are affecting deer movement, whether they're coming out of a bedding and just looping all the way around him before they get to the, the, the food source, or if they're cutting straight across the timber and going to a different field 
altogether and just avoiding everything anywhere around him. So that's uh, that's kind of what that, uh, I'm going to be doing there. But as far as trail cameras and tree stands, I have some, I'm, I'm about 85% complete on what I'm trying to accomplish before the season starts. And that is getting more cameras out and getting a couple more tree stands, at least in, in the good rut spots hung up. Um, and then, uh, I will definitely have my running gun, my running gun, uh, spots or my running gun stands ready to go. So here's, here's typically how, from a high level standpoint, it, it works for me. Early season, October 1st through, I'm just going to round up to the 20th. And I'm going to say, I'm checking trail cameras. If there's nothing really on trail camera, I'm not too worried about getting into some of these properties and hunting. Um, I might take an opportunity to go and fill the freezer in a couple uh, for a couple hunts, maybe take the kids out with me just to, to goof around on some off spots, if that makes sense. And really what I want to do is just observe the trail cameras, whether it's a cell cam or whether I'm checking these uh, trail cameras once every couple days to seeing if a a target animal and I'll say target, you know, four year old or over or something with gigantic crazy antlers or whatever is on some kind of routine. And I don't necessarily mean for it to be on a, on a, a shootable routine yet, anything in daylight, but just being aware that, Hey, this buck is using this draw at some point and just focus, not focusing on that directly, but focusing on where deer are not and removing those places from the equation so I have multiple other spots to focus on. So instead of 10 potential draws or uh, bed to food patterns, I'm, I'm focusing on five, right? So what I'm doing is I'm just kind of narrowing down where the deer are not and then using the flip side of that information to potentially make moves on an early season deer if I have that data. Now, for one week of October, I'm going to be in South Dakota hunting. So I'm not going to be even be worrying about it, but I am going to have uh, a week before I'm going to say the, before the fourth week of October, I might have one, uh, one or two weeks where I'll be able to jump into the timber a handful of times and just kind of see what the, what's going on. Maybe look for some fresh sign, um, maybe see if crops are up and just kind of survey the land before we start doing anything crazy right? Getting into that, uh, getting into that, uh, rut type, uh, you know, that rut type movement or that pre rut type movement. So work the trail cameras, you know, take advantage of them. I I have more out this year than I did last year. And if one shows up, then what I'm going to be able to do. And I talk about this all the time. I, I heard it from Bill Winky where you cast this large net out, you get a hit on one of these trail cameras. Then you take trail cameras that aren't getting hits and you move those trail cameras in. And what you're really trying to do is narrow down how you can identify or locate uh, a, a target animal. Say he's coming up this trail or he's not coming up this trail. And then hopefully what you're able to do is just kind of work it all down. And, you know, trail cameras are great, but getting out in a tree stand, getting a tree, uh, you know, getting a stand set up and, and just, and, and hunting, there's no replacement for that. So, you know, 
in the field observations. I do a couple of those. And if I feel like I need to make like a really detailed strike in on a buck that potentially has a pattern at that time of year, I'm going to do it. If not, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to be patient and I'm going to wait. And if there's one thing that I have learned throughout my however many years of bow hunting, it is that you can't run into the timber with your dick out just saying, let's fucking go. Woo! Like there's times for that, but there's other times where you do that too much and you're just screwing yourself. So the goal is just to monitor, observe from a distance and really just keep an eye out, you know, go through the process right now at, at this point in the year, my my scouting is pretty much finished, right? I've already done my scouting. Um, for most of the, I said for most of the private ground that I hunt, I've hunted it before. I do have one piece, one real small piece that I picked up that I haven't really scouted it, but it's so small that I feel like I can just use my knowledge to assume how deer move through it based off of the, the terrain and the top, you know, the, the, the topographic maps. I've been out there a couple of times. I've thrown a, uh, a trail camera out. I haven't checked it yet, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. And so the point there is, is that I, I probably won't mess with that property at all just because it's fairly small. Uh, it's like, I want to say it's 15 acres, but it's, it's a beautiful 15 acres. It's like the funnel within a funnel of all these fingers, right? So it's really long and narrow. Access is going to be a little bit of a bitch on it, but uh, I feel that if I can if I can slip in there, and I think it's going to be a good morning spot. I think it's going to be a catching deer come off the fields, funnel down through this into bedding, and I, I think it could be a, a really good money spot. Or if I can get it in there, uh, it's a it's lower than the surrounding terrain, so the the uh, all the other terrain on the other properties is higher. So I feel like if I'm going to try to access that for an evening hunt uh, and catch them coming down off the ridges through that low spot up into the fields again, then they're going to see me. Like they're going to be in position to see me. So I think it's more of a, uh, imagine an X. That center of the X where the two lines cross is where I am going to have a tree stand. And then from the lines, they're going to come down and work, depending on wind direction. I'll probably hunt it. Like, to be honest with you, I think I'll be able to hunt it on straight directional winds, straight north, straight south, straight east, straight west. And um, kind of, it, it's a it's a really good pinch. And I'm just kind of excited to hunt it. We'll see what's there. I don't, I don't know. I've never hunted it before. But the terrain and the vegetation that I've seen within it um, says there, you know, could be something nice you know, some, something nice running through those places. So I'm excited for that. Uh, I still have, I'm going to, I'm going to say one, two, three, four, five. Oh man. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm behind. Uh, I still have, uh, some tree stands that I want to get pre hung on some of my private ground, but the, th- the thing that I was talking to another uh, this guy earlier today about was a lot of – I had four pre-hung stands two years ago, and I only used them two times throughout the entire, the entire year. And 
I said to myself, man, why am I even doing this anymore? It, but I'll tell you this, it is easier to pop into a morning hunt with a preset, a pre, a pre hung stand. It's, it's straight easier, right? So I don't know what I'm, I don't, I really don't know what I'm trying to accomplish here. I, I really want to get some stands hung because it is a private, these are private properties. I can have a stand out there. I don't really need to worry about them getting stolen for the most part. Um, trail cameras are, are up for the most part. I'll, I'll slowly start bringing them in. But as the season goes on, I think what I'm going to do is I'll hunt and then I'll leave a stand up. I'll hunt and I'll leave a stand up. I'll hunt and then I'll leave a stand up. And that way, as that, that two-week period or as the season progresses, I'll, I will have just more options to choose from that aren't running gun. I can slip in in the morning because I, I'll be honest, I do not like to do a morning running gun. I will if I have to. But the way that I typically approach a, a new set is I'll try to get into a spot in, for an evening hunt on a good access. Let's just say my access is, runs north and south and throughout an east and west line. Let's just say that's deer movement. So I pick a spot on that deer movement, try to access it north or south and whether the wind direction is north, south, uh, northwest, southeast, whatever, right? I'm trying to cut that wind with deer movement. Then I'll come back in that same spot on a morning hunt. And I'll, so I'll hunt one stand afternoon, morning, tear down, go to the next spot, afternoon, morning, tear down. And uh, there's times where, okay, I know that the deer aren't going to be moving in the morning through this area. It's a, it's a historically good spot. Maybe my access into this spot is just good for afternoons. And I'll have to walk through a field or I'll bump deer for a morning hunt. So I'll go to another stand and I'll call that an off hunt, right? I'll, I'll hunt off and I'll come back to that for the, the next afternoon hunt. So I'll hunt, I'll hunt that stand twice, but not back to back like I would a morning, then an afternoon or an afternoon, then a morning. So I'm pretty much rambling at this point, but that's kind of, that's kind of how I'm, I'm trying to plan how I'm setting my stands up. And then, like I said earlier, I only used, I only used those two pre hung stands all last season and every other set was a running gun and, um, you know, running gun. The only thing running gun is, is it just makes you sound like a badass. If you have the ability to pre hang your stands, I say, why not? But we all know that deer movement shifts throughout the years. So you do have to be flexible with your approach and being mobile and running and gunning is, is honestly the best, best way to do it. First time in, best time in type scenarios. Um, the last time I was down at my main farm, it was so wet. I, I didn't have the ability to get down into the bottoms to hang cameras or check tree stands. And by this time now, the corn's so tall, I really don't even want to go back there. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be a run and gun hunt and, uh, I don't have any trail. Ca I would love to get a trail camera back in there before, like before September 1st. So that way I can really do the whole, uh, I can really do the one month soak, uh, maybe go in there before the crops are out for a, a hunt just to see what's moving through those bedding areas. Cause I got some really kick-ass access through some cricks. Uh, through some crick systems, some some uh, stream systems, where I stay low, pop up, walk over, hop in my stand, and I'm right there. And uh, I don't know; uh, those kind of access routes are just money, 
plus the thermals, plus the wind. It's just a Loctite set. And um, when I, I've never really paid attention to that in the in the summer or in the the early season. But here's what here's what intrigues me about spots like this. The corn. This is a corn year down in the bottoms. So we have these these river sh- systems that are are down in there where we have some curves in the the river which create create some peninsulas of man what is it like peninsulas of thick bedding right and they feel really comfortable in there there's some oaks down there they have everything they need food water cover they have corn uh, across the creek they may have some soybeans this year I, i haven't been back there to check yet but they got everything they need so with that said I'll go there. Typically, I try to go there and get a stand up before September. But then the next time I go and check it, late October, or I actually go in there to hunt, it is shredded. Like there's there's rubs all over the place. So something at some point comes through there, and it's probably nocturnal movement. To be honest with you, so I shouldn't get too you know hyped up about it. But something comes through there at some point in the first three weeks of October and just lays down a shit ton of sign destroys trees. And I'm talking like my thighs. We're not talking like little saplings. We're talking full on boner rubs. You know what I mean? The, the kind of rubs that you, you notice, you just don't look at them and go, Oh man, there's a, there's a rub. We're talking about a big, like a big, big rub. And those are what gets me excited. So before that corn comes out, I think they just feel so comfortable back there. I just want to get into one of those spots before they take the corn out. And I don't know, it's been pretty dry here in Iowa. So I think they're going to be, they're going to have the corn out fairly early. You know, sometimes they decide to do silage, which comes out way before the season even starts. So we'll see. Um, I really do want to get. I really do want to get back there for a hunt before the the corn is removed, and hopefully I can catch something coming in, and not necessarily looking for does, but to find out the movement of the doe groups and see if there's anything in their laying sign. Um, you know, a buck at that time of year really isn't going to be going. Hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna sit here and we're gonna, you know, chase does on October fourteenth. But if there's something that's bedded in, in some of these thickets heading to some of this corn um, or, or just there for cover because there's some acorn trees as well, it could be a good opportunity for myself. So that along with crops that don't have any river bottom ground. So I have this one place that I've always really wanted to get a stand in somehow. And I've done it before and I had an opportunity at like, 140 class eight pointer, which is a decent eight pointer. I decided to let him walk at 35 yards. I think it was like 2017 or 16 or something like that. And he come, they're coming out of the corn and then they walk through this little bean field and then they go back into the corn into this little buffer strip. And it's, it's not a crick. It's just like runoff, but they have grass planted there and there's some trees and, and some small pine trees. It's basically erosion uh, control. And Every single year I get uh, pictures of deer living in that corn, but it's really hard to actually hunt them 
when there's not very many trees to set up set up in and if you're in a ground blind it's so tight you really can't you can't see excuse me you can't see anything because of all the corn and the growth around you but once that once those crops come out the deer are out of that so I want to, I, I kind of want to go in there for a couple hunts just to play around. I've done that before in late October, and it's fun rattling in two-year-olds or three-year-olds, if that's what you're into. You get into there and you start kicking um, stalks down, and you rattle. Something's coming to you. But what I'm saying is, man, there's an opportunity there that if you can figure that out and maybe find a place where they're coming out of one little section of corn crossing that little waterway or that erosion control popping back into into it you have an opportunity at uh seeing a deer that you've never saw before and uh, that's that's an approach that i'm gonna play around with uh, a little bit this year um let me see here a lot between now and the time the season starts like right now like uh, the last couple days me and my son, we, we have a golf cart. In our town, we're allowed to use a golf carts on the streets, and people just drive around in golf carts all the time. So we're taking it down this road. It's a real long road. Turn around, come back. And I notice a couple of deer out in the field. And if he's a 10-pointer, he's, he's pretty far away, but I put my binos up. I think he's a 9. If he's a 10, he's probably low 150s. If he is a 9 or an 8, he's definitely a 9. So if he's a... If he's a nine, he's probably sitting at that one, you know, 145 and above mark as a nine pointer. Really, really good deer. And he was out there with a, a couple of his buddies the other night. And we counted, we counted three bucks and two does out in this field. And we go back again. There he is. Go back again. There he is. Now I know a lot is, uh, a lot determines on food source, and when that velvet comes off, he'll probably disappear or shift like they all do. But I'm going to keep a close eye out on this particular bean field because I think it's going to be overlooked. It's a piece of public. I think it's going to, number one, it's going to be overlooked. And number two, um, it's very close to a road. And it that's going to make it be overlooked. And I think there's an opportunity that for some crazy reason, and I'm... I'm pretty doubtful about what I'm about to say, but if for some crazy reason he decides to maintain his course for the next, I don't know, month and a half, then I really do feel like I could have an opportunity at this buck, depending on what he is. I think in the next couple of days, I'm actually going to go try to get a cell cam out there, strap it to one of those trees, and just try to get a better picture of him to see what he actually is. I mean... To, from a distance, he looks like a four-year-old. His coat's dark. He's got a bigger body, like definitely a bigger body than the other deer that he was with. So uh, that's something that I'm excited about too. Um, and really from this this point on, it is, it's a waiting game. It, it becomes now about gear. And when I say gear, I mean my bow. And just reps and reps and reps and reps and reps, and just shoot my bow as much as much as humanly possible. Um, I shot a lot of bows this year, and um, I was you know so I shot a lot of bows. Uh, my top two, I mentioned this in the hunting gear podcast. Um, my top my top performing bows this year, and typically um, 
it's been off. Like this is the first year I, I try to shoot a whole bunch of bows every year to see if there's something that I like. And I'll go from third place. Third, the third place was the new Matthews. I typically don't like Matthews bows. They're, I'm not a huge fan of their draw cycle, but this year they impressed me and I thought it was better. So, um, but not as better than the next two that I'm going to mention. The, the new PSE, uh, EVL, I think it is, or something like that. That thing, it was so close, so close that I almost got it. I, I went with another bow, but that thing, that, that I, and I've never been a fan of PSE. Like, just the amount of pressure that I feel, I don't know, I just feel like it's a rocket launcher. And I, I don't like it when a, when a bow is just trying to rip out of my hands. That feeling has been reduced in the last bow. Um, and so, I don't know. It, it, I, I just, by a hair, decided not to go with it and go with the Bowtech solution. So um, I'm getting a Bowtech solution. But the thing about it is they're so behind on ma- their manufacturing. And that this is every bow manufacturer. They're behind on getting orders out. And so the, the guy told me who I talked to, he's like, we're not going to be able to get your, get you your bow until like the last week of August. So that's two, two or three more weeks yet. And then I'm two weeks out from a, you know, from a, a mule deer hunt. So I don't know if I want to switch a bow right before that hunt. Now, between my September mule deer hunt and my October mule deer hunt, I'm going to have some time to actually play around and, and get that bow set up and sighted in. But I just don't know if two weeks is going to be enough for me to give up the bow that I already have sighted in. I already have tuned for the most part. And I just, it's going to be, it's going to be a game time decision, but my gut is telling me don't switch two weeks before a hunt. So I don't know, people do it and people are fine with it, but I, I'm, my new my old bow is 29 inch draw my new bow who i had a guy from a bow shop he goes dude you need a 30 inch draw you've been shooting short for the last however many years so i got a 30 inch draw bow at 70 pounds so there's going to be some new feeling and new muscle memory and new education that's going to have to come along with that new setup and i might need new arrows too Right, I don't know if the arrows that I currently have are going to be long enough for this new setup with an additional inch on my draw length. So again, something that I'm going to have to address when that all comes down. You know, come I finally get that stuff, but I don't know if I feel comfortable taking a two-week-old bow that's been sighted in along with me when I from the you know I talk about this all the time confidence and being comfortable in your equipment. I don't know if I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to uh, make the switch right away. I maybe just hold off because I thought I was going to have it by now, but I don't. Anyway, that's that's one of those, uh, that's life type, type scenarios. And then it's just a waiting game. Like I said, it's a waiting game. And I really am just going to be as patient as humanly possible. I'm going to go on my, my, uh, my September and October hunts. And I'm going to hunt as hard as humanly possible out uh, uh, for mule deer. And then when I get back to Iowa, I'm I'm going and pardon my French, but I'm going fucking hard this year. Like 
I think I'm to the point now where my kids are old enough to where my kids are going to be all, all three of them are going to be in school and or daycare all five days a week. That means my wife is going to not have to worry about that stuff. Um, while she's at home, she's going to be able to get work done. Um, she basically, the only stress is going to be at the nighttime, but it's going to be minimal. So the stress while I'm away is going to be less and I'm going to be able to focus 100% knock on wood, right? 100% on hunting. And I think I'm going to try to swing for the fences this year, man. I'm, I'm going to go hard to as hard as possible and just, and I, and I think that's what we all need to do. I want to put a challenge out there to everybody who's listening to this right now. I dare you. I challenge you to hunt your balls off this year, right? And I don't mean at, at the expense of other people, but I mean, I want you to go out, make excellent decisions, use your head. Don't do anything too terribly risky, but when the time calls for it, get in there and fucking kill those deer. Like boom, get them like sick them. You know what I mean? And, and then send me the pictures and I'll give you a a digital handshake slap on the, on the back and say, congratulations. I don't care if it's a 178 year old or if it's a spike buck and it's your first deer you've ever killed. Don't care. Don't care anything about that, but I'm starting to get fired up. And I hope all of you share that same level of excitement as I am. And I, I honestly do wish each and every one of you the, the same success that I wish anybody else, because, um, you know, I don't know. I just want to see everybody be successful because I'm passionate about this, this activity that we call bow hunting or hunting in general, whether you're a gun hunter, crossbow hunter, bow hunter, good luck out there, hunt hard, hunt your balls off. And, uh, I think I'm just going to close it on that, man. Cause I'm fired up. I'm gonna go drink a bourbon right now. <laughs> I'm gonna go drink a bourbon and then I'm going to, what am I going to do? Probably going to go to bed because I was up pretty late working last night. Thank you to each and every one of you for taking time out of your day to hop on the episode and uh, or, or uh, listen to the episode. Spread the word about the Nine Finger Chronicles, man. I strongly believe that what you hear from the Nine Finger Chronicles and all of the guests who I feel are a little bit more relatable than a lot of the other content that's out there, right? These guys are getting the job done and also have a full-time job, Right. I think that's more relatable in the content field than the opposite, right? Someone who's getting paid to hunt full time and, and yeah, whatever. Huge shout out to each and every one of the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles uh, podcast. And I do have a list right here that I'm going to read from if I can find it. Here it is. Huge shout out to Ozonix, Lone Wolf, Exodus, Excalibur, Wasp, Vortex, and Hunt Stand. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast, right? Uh, I talk about them all the time. They're what allows me to not sit in a cubicle anymore. And by you listening to the, to me allows me to not have to sit in a cubicle anymore. So go check out their products. I would really appreciate it. And in this crazy world that we live in right now, I want to say this, the world needs less division and just more positivity. You can disagree with your neighbor. It's okay to disagree. It's even okay to talk a little shit, but 
it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help us come together. And I think what we all really need in this world is just a couple more high fives and a couple more good jobs and a couple. And what I mean by good jobs, like pat on, pats on the back, man, everybody's different. And I think that if we can just embrace our similarities and put the differences off to the side just for a little bit, uh, the world's going to be a better place, man. And that starts with us. And that starts with me. And I'm trying to do that by telling you that I've seen it work, right? Like uh, the positivity in the world, like smiles and laughter and, and good vibes, man. That's, that's what I'm all about. It's good, good vibes, good vibes in, good vibes out. And uh, if we can do that, it just starts to snowball and it snowballs and snowballs and it snowballs. And then there's, there's one giant ball of positivity and happy energy and all that shit. And I know I sound like a, a pot smoking hippie, but that's okay if I do right so huge shout out to all of you good vibes in good vibes out wear your safety harness and we'll talk to you next time